You are listening to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast with Monica Louie, episode number 87. Welcome to the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast, where we help online entrepreneurs grow their influence, amplify their impact, and scale their businesses all the way to seven figures. And now, here's your host, Monica Louie. Hey, hey, thank you so much for joining me for the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I'm Monica Louie, and welcome to episode 87. I am so excited to bring you this amazing interview, and I know you're going to love it. So I have a question for you. Do you know how to effectively use storytelling in your business to drive more leads, create a deeper connection with your audience, and ultimately make more sales? Well, my guest is here today to teach us exactly how to do that. But before we dive into the interview, I want to make sure that if you're new to the podcast, you know who I am. I'm Monica Louie, and I'm a Facebook and Instagram ads strategist, and I run a successful ads agency where my team and I manage ads for six, seven, and eight-figure online businesses. I'm also the creator of Flourish with Facebook Ads which is my online training program that teaches my step-by-step system for creating campaigns that convert. And my team and I have managed more than $3 million in ad spend and served more than a thousand students and clients. And we are in the trenches every single day, keeping a pulse on what's working now in the world of Facebook and Instagram ads. And I love geeking out about online business and helping others grow their businesses too. I believe that anyone can create a seven-figure online business, and all you need is the right motivation, the right mindset, and the right marketing, plus you've got to have a great offer. And that's what this podcast is all about, helping you to flourish to seven figures. So today we are diving into the marketing piece with my amazing guest, Michelle Knight. Michelle is a mother, she's a wife, and she's a world traveler and storyteller. She's also a personal brand coach and marketing strategist and the founder of brandmary.com. And she works with female entrepreneurs to create an authentic, captivating, and money-making brand through the power of story. Michelle supports women at various stages of their business who share one common goal, creating an authentic brand that allows them to show up as they are build a loyal community and experience time, financial and location freedom as a result of their work. And Michelle is absolutely fantastic. Michelle brings to this interview so many things. We dive deep into how to up-level your brand in 2021. Michelle shares her micro story framework. Plus she talks all about why story is so important in helping you connect with your audience. Plus, if you're like me and you are working on incorporating more stories into your marketing, she breaks down several different types of stories that you are going to have so many different ideas by the end of this podcast as to how you can better effectively incorporate story into your marketing. And Michelle shares how she has a system, what her system is to consistently generate new testimonials and case studies specifically the questions she asks her customers and her clients and how she incorporates that feedback into her own marketing. Plus, stay tuned till the end because Michelle has been a digital nomad for the last couple of years, not only in growing her business, but she's also a wife, a mother, and 
consistently traveling across the United States and Europe. And she shares her processes and workflows for running and growing her business while traveling with a very small team. I absolutely love this interview and I know you're going to get so much out of it. But before we dive in, I wanna make sure you know that you can find all the links and resources that Michelle and I mentioned in today's episode at monicalouie.com slash 87. That's M-O-N-I-C-A-L-O-U-I-E dot com slash the number 87. All right, here's my interview with Michelle Knight from brandmary.com. Hey, Michelle, thank you so much for joining me on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. I am so excited about our conversation today. I know that we are going to geek out about marketing and branding and storytelling and lots and lots of things. But before we dive into that, can you please share with everybody who you are, what you do, how you help people today? Yes, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me. I am excited to geek out on all of those topics. So a little bit of a background on who I am and how I got to talk about these topics in the first place. My journey in entrepreneurship really started when my son was born, which was in December of 2015. And he completely changed my life. I went through a difficult postpartum experience navigating motherhood, you know, just being a new human altogether. And during that navigation, I realized that one of my desires was actually to not return to work, which kind of blindsided me because I definitely always thought that I would go back to work, move up the corporate ladder. That was kind of like my idea. So my husband being the loving man that he is and, and awesome support helped me kind of navigate that through this postpartum fog. And for the next, you know, eight months, I was back at work and navigating that and building this business. And I struggled for a very long time, basically the entire eight months. I didn't really know what I was doing. I was trying to learn all the different things. I had built a brand, but nobody was buying anything. And right about the nine month mark, when I was planning on leaving my nine to five, I scrapped everything that I had built and really stripped it back to like, who am I? Who do I want to serve? How can I connect with them? And right away, my community started responding and I started signing clients. And I was like, all right, I think I'm onto something here. So I continued to just kind of ride that momentum, tap into branding, learn everything that I could and built my business to six figures in one year and have continued to scale since then. So today, my emphasis is really focused on helping entrepreneurs brand themselves online and market their message using the power of storytelling so that they can build build those deep connections, make an impact and ultimately create the revenue that they desire. I love it so much. It's similar to my story too. I, I never imagined myself leaving my corporate job and, you know, I, I figured that I was going to corp, you know, climb the corporate ladder myself. But then once I, once I got pregnant with my son, I had different ideas. So I definitely relate to that. So how did you, how did you make that shift from struggling to trying to do all the things struggling? Cause I, I know that feeling as well to where you made this shift and then it really clicked how, like, what did you do differently and how did you start to gain clients? What did your business look like? What did your business model look like? What were your offerings at that point? Yeah. So I was really focused on one-on-one -on -one at the time. I'm all about simple. You'll know this about me. You'll see how it picks up in everything we're going to talk about today. I have a minimalist <laughs> mindset. And so I didn't jump in trying to offer a bunch. I just wanted to focus on one-on-one, -on -one. but you know, even with that and being a higher ticket offer, you know, you definitely have to focus on your messaging and your marketing and all of those different pieces. So honestly, what happened was I 
was taking action, right? I was showing up. I was doing live video. I was emailing my list. It was small, but it was mighty. I had a Facebook group. I was doing all of the marketing things and they weren't working. And the, and I ended up actually getting sick and like started to lose my voice and stayed home from work. I was like, man, something is not right. And I locked myself in my room. I was like, I need space. I need time. And I just journaled and I wrote down who I wanted to speak to. And I got like in their head and, and came up with just all of these really, really deep emotional problems and struggles and things that they wanted in very specific language, like pages and pages. And I was like, okay, I think this is it, right? So I can I can really start to speak more specifically and emotionally to that individual. And, and basically what happened from there is I did a live stream shortly after, maybe two days after, and somebody in my community raised their hand and said, I want to work with you. Somebody who had been there the whole time, but just needed that connection and needed that you know specific language for them. And so that was my first client and it felt really, really good. And it all happened within about a week of that shift. And then I just continued to really hone in on that. And one of the things that I learned over the next couple months, as I started to fill my one-on-one, uh, I actually f- was at capacity within like six months of that happening. And I noticed that the thing that everyone really was gravitating towards was this, I were just these stories that I would tell you know, stories about what was happening as a mother, about building my business, kind of, you know, being a couple steps ahead of my ideal customer at the time and just sharing that process. That was really moving my business along and felt really, really good. So I started to research more and more on storytelling and the power of storytelling. And at the time, it was no, not everyone was talking about it. I feel like everyone's talking about it now, but this was five years ago and and not everyone was really talking about it. There was information out there, but it wasn't as mainstream. And I really just started learning all the different ways to do it and methods and then continued to work that into my marketing. And I credit it for everything in my business and in my life and, and ultimately selling out those one-on-one clients and getting to a place where I started to shift more to group programs and courses and stuff like that. I love it. So what, when you work with your clients and your students and your programs, what is the first thing that you kind of help them with in order? I mean, do you do like an audit and assessment to figure out what needs work in their marketing plan? Or do you go straight to the storytelling? How, how does that look? You know, what does that look like? Yeah. Oh, that's a great question. It, it does depend how, how quickly we get into marketing based on where my customer is at. Basically, I am a firm believer in foundational work. I truly, truly believe that you cannot scale a business. And and my intention has always been to scale and to be sustainable. You know, I always say I'm not here to be a one hit wonder. I want that longevity and that growth and that mission driven work. And in order to do that, there needs to be a solid foundation. So the first thing that I actually do with all of my clients is check their branding. So many of my clients will come to me not having this. And so I have programs and a whole framework that guides them through that process. And some of my one-on-one clients will come to me and say, oh, I already have a brand. So we'll dive into what I believe branding truly is, (laughs) find the gaps, fill those, and then move forward. So everything really is centered around building that strong brand foundation. And to me, that means understanding who you are and that specific like industry or niche that you fill, understanding who you want to work with and their story, 
understanding how you're going to communicate together, right? Having really strong core brand messages is what I like to call them. And, and stories that kind of bring those two pieces together, you and your ideal customer. And then what are you going to offer? I think that your offer is actually part of the branding process. And I, I know a lot of entrepreneurs will do the brand and then they're like, wait, now what am I selling? And I'm like, all right, we need to go back. And then I also put a lot of emphasis on finding your authentic voice, your style, as well as the the concept of emotional branding. And, and then at that point, adding in the visual components, and then you're ready for marketing, right? You have everything that you need because marketing relies so heavily on communication. And if you don't know who you're communicating with, you don't know what you're ultimately leading them to. You don't understand, you know, your specialty and how that's going to benefit them. You have a hard time with marketing. So I have found that it really always comes down to the branding aspect of it. So there's a lot here. I'd love to go through mm-hmm. it and just yeah. kind of get your best advice. So if you, you know, if you're at the place where you're trying to, maybe you feel like you need to do a rebrand or you're just getting started and you're trying to figure out who you are, what, what kind of questions do you ask people? What, what can they ask themselves to figure out that, you know, who am I? What is my purpose? How, how, what am I here to do? What, what, how do you, how do you lead people there? Yeah. So I think the biggest thing that I have found for, uh, for people who are just like, what's the point of this whole thing, right? Like, like what is the driving force that has always come down to like, what's the mission. And I know a lot of people refer to it as purpose. I have a background in nonprofit work, so I'm very mission driven. And I think having a clear mission for your business really keeps you centered and focused and always kind of brings it back to that element. So one of the first things that I have my clients do is like, really identify what is the mission behind their brand and their business. And, and then moving into the storytelling piece of what led you here. And this often just morphs into your brand story, which is pretty cool. You kind of got that right out of the gate, but I encourage my clients to really think about these pivotal moments in their life, these transitions that they've gone through that have shaped them and the lessons that they've learned. So that's kind of the first exercise that I actually walk my clients through. And it does a couple things. One, it, it kind of helps them think of their life as a story, which is important for storytelling in marketing. It also often pinpoints more specifics about their mission or the work that they want to put out in the world or the niche that they want to be in or their strengths or their weaknesses, the things they love, as well as who they ultimately want to work with. So that's one of the foundational pieces that I think is so fun. And then it also gets my clients in the habit of identifying stories throughout their journey that they can then share through their marketing and content creation. And then the second phase of that is is the customer, which I'm a big market research ideal client fan. And it's about really understanding who that person is to their core. And that plays a huge role in storytelling and marketing as well. When you have those pieces, that's when you can really just pretty much go anywhere. And so much of what I believe the foundation of branding is, is that emotional connection. That's why storytelling is so cool. That's why it works so well is you feel something, right? You, You trust them. You have that emotional connection. And a lot of brands today are missing that because they go into the design aspect first. What do I want this to look like rather than what do I want this to feel like? And then worry about the aesthetics. So whether someone's coming to me for a rebrand or they're coming to me just starting out, those pieces have got to be in place. That mission, that clear understanding of their own story. And then again, you know, their ideal customer to then get to the conclusion of like, what 
do I want people to feel? What emotions do I want to really like communicate through my brand and then be able to choose things from there? I love love all this. I'm taking notes like crazy. Okay. And and something you said earlier too, I mean, when you're talking about the customer and the ideal client, you said, who do you want to work with and what is their story? So can Mm -hmm. you kind of go in a little deeper as to why their story is so important? Yes. Okay. So well, let me talk about kind of the end goal, right? The end goal with uh, communicating with your audience and marketing, specifically using the power of storytelling, is to, to move them along through the buying process, right? We're all running businesses here. We do want them to be profitable um, and, and generate revenue. And so when you're talking about storytelling in business, one of the key factors that has to be there is that every story that you share needs to connect with and provide value to your audience. This is my like non-negotiable. So in order to really know what stories are going to do that, you need to understand who your audience is at their core. So you've got those basic, you know, ideal customer questions, you know, you want to understand where they're at, what they're struggling with right now. Every brand, every business solves a problem. If you don't know what that problem is, then you're going to have a hard time communicating with your audience why they ultimately need your service or your product. So you really want to understand not only what's the problem your ideal client is facing, but why do they know that that's a problem, right? What are all the struggles that are happening in their day-to-day? What do they feel about this? What do they think about this? That's going to help you you know, tell better stories and ultimately write better messaging. You also want to understand, okay, well, where do they want to go? Like, Why do they really want to solve this problem? What is the urgency factor there? So you can communicate that. Those are the two core pieces. But then I like to go a little bit deeper and really understand, you know, what are the obstacles standing in their way? And also one of the things that I think really contributes to telling better stories is this idea of internal, external drivers. And so you've got the external, which is like, these are the things they're Googling about their problem. These are the things that they're, you know, posting in a Facebook group. And the internal ones are like, much, much deeper than that. And, and there's a combination with the internal of like, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, your ideal customer is like a friend or something like that. And you can get those out of them because you have that relationship. But a lot of it is kind of like hypothetical painting a picture. And I found that's where the storytelling component really comes into play when you, and you've probably felt it too, where you're reading something and you're like, did this person just read my journal? Like, (laughs) how does this person know exactly what I'm thinking? All of that type of copy and that storytelling comes from this ideal customer phase. So those are kind of like the main chunks that I definitely think every single person needs to understand about their ideal customer. And and it needs to be some deep work. You know, I am a firm believer and not just like, oh, my my customer is frustrated. My customer is overwhelmed. My customer is tired. I'm always like, all right, well, why are they tired? What does tired look like in their day-to-day life? You know, the more specific you can get with that, that's what kind of really leads to understanding their story, you know, where you could almost say, tell them their story back to them and say, I know every single morning you wake up and you put your feet on the floor and you're just like, oh, I don't want to go to work. You know, you go into the bathroom, you're brushing your teeth and you're looking in the mirror and you're like, when will I be able to stop this? You know, that's the storytelling that we talk about. And it comes from and stems from this ideal client process. So you recommend then sharing their story back to them so that they can see that you understand them. And so therefore that helps to build trust, that helps to build connection. And then they know that you may have the solution to their problems. Is that how this all connects? 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one of the, one of the types of stories that you can definitely share. And, and we see those, I mean, you, you run Facebook ads, right? We see those on Facebook ads all the time where you're basically connecting with your audience. We see them on sales pages, right? That's the the flow of a sales page, connecting with where they are, where they want to be, and then offering up the solution. And the reason that this works so well is that we want to feel seen, heard, and understood. And, and storytelling does that, but it has to, again, it has to, be storytelling that is deeply rooted in just like knowing your ideal customer. There's okay. There's so much here. And I really love what you also said about what do you, what do I want this to feel like? Mm -hmm. So how do we connect that to our ideal customer? What we want our brand to feel like, and how do we connect that to our ideal customer? Yeah. So this part of the phase, you know, I know I'm sure in the whole framework, but it it comes at the end. So the, the feeling, the emotional component in my process comes after doing, you know, your own story work, understanding your mission, the impact that you want to make in the world, understanding, understanding your audience. And then the emotional component really comes from when someone lands on my website, this is the question that I ask in a lot of my workbooks. Like when someone lands on your website, you've got like eight seconds to get them to, to react. What do you want them to feel right away? And that usually does it for people, right? Like they're usually like, oh, I want them to feel happy and comfortable and joyful. And like, they're in the right spot. You know, when, when I first answered this question for myself, I was really specific. And I was like, I really want people to feel like we're hanging out by the fire on a crisp fall day you know? And so just asking yourself that question of like, how do I want people to feel inside before they even read anything on my website, just seeing it on that kind of initial reaction. And then that really is like the driving force for choosing your colors because colors are deeply rooted in us emotion. Like certain colors reflect different emotions for people choosing your fonts. Fonts have different elements of emotion, choosing your brand photos. All of that really comes from this concept of like building a connection and having your audience feel a specific way. And, and it's really, really powerful. Cause like I said, you have eight seconds pretty much to get someone to stay on your website or not. You know, eight seconds is not enough time to read the whole, you know, first part of your website. It's all based on those visuals. And so it's really, really important when it comes to marketing and client, you know, attraction. Yeah. And I can see that with your own website. So your website is Mm brandmary.com and you can see that it's very like earthy earth tones. And then you can tell, like, I could see that initially I could feel that. And then as I, you know, got to know your story, read your story and understand like, you know, being active, traveling, like all of that is very much a part of you. And Mm -hmm. so it's a great representation of you, but then you're also, you know, attracting people who that is kind of one of their values as well. Right, exactly. And 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 many people will have those shared values I have found just through doing this work. So I would say like 90% of people have that connection with their audience, you know. But there are also a few that are like, well, not really, and maybe those are more like the product-based businesses. And and so in in those cases again, it still comes back to that question of how do you want them to feel? And when you do the ideal customer work and you're like, "Oh, well, my audience is feeling this way right now, but wants to feel and experience this," then focus on the wants, the aspirational side of it mm-hmm. for the emotional side of like your brand, right? You you don't want someone who's like currently stressed out to land on your website and feel stressed out. You want them to land on your website and feel calm and at peace. So that's when you would choose, you know, you know 
greens or blues and different things like that because you're you're wanting them to feel comfortable and ultimately that their desires or their pleasure that they're wanting to get towards is possible for them. So I have a question for you regarding yeah. my my own brand. This is something that I've wondered and I've asked several people about and I'm curious about your take on it. So I I am very, you know, feminine. I'm a girly girl. I like makeup. I like to, you know, curl my hair. I like my nails done. And so my brand is very feminine, pinks and the purples. But I, I know that many of my students, many of my clients are males. And I wonder if I'm like, turning them off. I mean, my business is, is doing well. So I think, yeah. you know, but, <laughs> but you know, do you have any, do you have any thoughts around that when like, you know, I think my brand is a great representation of me and this is what people have said. It's like, well, that's who you are. So it feels very authentic. But then I I've also wondered if maybe I should tone down the like girly girly. Cause I like the bright and the glitter and the, the gold. Anyway, I just curious about your thoughts around that when maybe, you know, your brand is a little bit different from who you're part a big part of your audience. Yeah. So I, I think that, I think there always still has to be that, that connection to your audience. But again, that doesn't mean that it has to be like the colors per se, right? We might associate pink with you know, a a girly girl, but it also has like a deep emotional aspect to it, you know, of being like polished, put together, also fun, right? Like pink is a fun color. And so when you think about your ideal customer and like ultimately how you want them to feel when they work with you, especially, I mean, I'm, I've, I know about Facebook ads, right? Like (laughs) they are, (laughs) cannot be fun when you're doing them yourself, but like, my guess is that you really want them to feel like it's a joyful freaking experience, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and that they can trust you through that process. And so that's why I think yours works so well for you is because that's very, very clear from the get go. So again, it's about really understanding those psychological elements of like colors and fonts and language rather than just like what we automatically associate based on our past experiences, if that makes sense, you know? So like I have a client who is like totally into like spirituality and like loves, uh, she does focuses on shadow work and that whole like kind of witchy side. And a lot of her website is black. And the reason that we did that is because her audience can just like really kind of relate to to that color and that feeling. And it like, it makes them feel a certain way. And, and other people would be like, Ooh, don't do black. Right. But again, it's just like much deeper than that and knowing your ideal customer in that way. So I think go for it, (laughs) go for it. (laughs) Thank you. Okay. So bringing it back to storytelling, I was telling you, you know, earlier before we hit record that this is something I know that I definitely need to work on incorporating better storytelling in my own marketing. I've got great copywriters on my team and with ads, we do a fantastic job of incorporating, you know, the storytelling into our ads, but for my own marketing, because I'm very analytical minded, very, you know, step-by-step one, two, three, I know as I'm teaching, I need to incorporate more stories into my teaching so that they will connect better. I heard you say on your podcast that when you're incorporating stories that you, that's, that's how your audience will remember what you're teaching them better. Mm -hmm. Is that, I might've, did I, did I convey that accurately? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's it's (laughs) storytelling actually makes your content 22 times more likely to be remembered by your audience. Okay. So 22 times more likely. So I definitely need to add more stories. So can you, you know, give some advice for those of us who 
maybe feel like storytelling doesn't come naturally. How can we begin to build this in? How can we begin to pull those stories out of ourselves to share in our marketing efforts, whether it be an email or social media, sales pages, et cetera? Yeah. So, you know, one of the, there's different types of stories. And I think that is one of the pieces that people don't talk about enough is we're just like, tell better stories and ta-da. And you're like, what kind of stories am I supposed to be sharing? So there are so many different types of categories. And I will, I'll share some of those with you because I think that will also help kind of understand that, you know, there are different types of stories that you can share. So we all know the brand story, you know, the brand story is like the basics of your business, how it came to be. We all know about this on the about me page, but you can also obviously break it down and expand on it through individual content. And so the brand story is really there to build that authority of like, yes, I will guide you as the the customer, as my ideal client through this process. And there's a lot of opportunity with the brand stories as well to share some more behind the scenes and transparency of how you ultimately got to where you are. And especially if you can find connections with your audience there, again, you know, the ideal customer work by now. So if you can find those little connections with pieces of your story, that's really helpful. So for instance, when I tell my brand story, part of my brand story that I highlight a lot is the birth of my son. Now in my whole entire audience is not mothers. And, but I know that people can relate to that pull, right? Feeling pulled in two different directions, wanting to change, but not sure how. And so I'm rather than focusing all of my energy and attention on just like, this is what happened to me. I'm really focusing on, you know, the, the lesson learned or the transformation or the feeling that's relatable to everyone. So the brand story is not just that one story on your about me page. It's all of those different micro stories of like how your brand came to be and, and your mission work and, and what you want to put out into the world. There's also another element of storytelling, which is my favorite, and I think will be the most important type of story in 2021 and moving forward. And that is the idea of telling stories about your values as a brand and as a person. We saw a huge shift in, you know, 2020 and, you know, studies have been coming out over and over and like 77% of consumers have said that they want to buy and invest in brands that share the same values as them. And so it's becoming even more important that we showcase our values, but like how boring is it to make a post that's like, these are my business values. No, you could rather like share those values through stories. So one of our values over here is authenticity and transparency. And so I share that through, you know, number one, just talking about my own stories of authenticity and transparency, having moments where, you know, that wasn't clear to me, or I felt like I was deceived and and how that felt. And so you can create stories and content that showcase the values of your brand and your business. And again, are then connecting with your audience in that way, which will ultimately build more brand affinity and help with client retention down the line. We talked about the story that I like to call connection stories. And and those are basically those stories that connect to your ideal customer and specifically where they are in their journey. So those can be stories about moments in your own life and that you know your audience will be highly, highly relate to. Like I always, I told a story one time about grocery shopping. My audience like ate it up, you know, because we all have to go to the freaking grocery store. We've probably all felt like this certain way. And so that's like a story that I can share about and connect with my audience. But these can also be, you know, those stories like I shared at the beginning where it's like, I know you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the floor, right? They're they're stories that are rooted in research, but they're also kind of, I don't want to say made up, but exaggerated 
curated, right? They're really focused on like painting the picture. Maybe every single one of those things didn't happen to your ideal customer in that exact order, but they can relate to those different pieces. And, and those stories are really, really powerful. My trick with those is actually is actually analytical. So this might help you. It is a step-by-step process. But my suggestion is that you heighten your awareness on storytelling and really start paying attention to all the little things that are happening in your life, questions your clients ask you, things that come up, you know, in conversation, and you create what I call a story bank. And the story bank is just a document or a Trello board, whatever, however you like to organize your life. And it's just all of these different story ideas. And that's really your goal. And as you start this process, you will notice that you're like, oh my gosh, I have another one. I have another one. I have another one. People who struggle with storytelling in the beginning always tell me that like, oh my gosh, I had like 60 ideas by like the end of the week. So that's step one, start this story bank. And then step two is to go through that story bank and really pinpoint the stories that are ultimately helping move your business forward in that season, right? So we're all going through launches or or it's a holiday season or different things like that. We obviously want to make sure that our stories are timely. So so pick the stories that you feel like are going to work best during that that time period and then Step three, before you even craft the story or craft the copy or anything like that, write down the takeaway or the value that you want your audience to have. That is key because the difference between understanding the value and making sure that that is present in the copy, in the content, and not is the difference between someone being like, oh, cool story, right? I call it the friend zone. It's like, wow, I love hearing about the different things that are happening in your life. But if you're a business owner, no, we really want to make sure that these stories are moving people along in the buying process, building that deep connection, so on and so forth. So knowing the value before you even write the copy is huge. And then that plays a role in your CTA or what you want people to do and and so on and so forth. Do you have any advice for how to incorporate your customer's stories? So I'm thinking like, you know, sharing testimonials, sharing Mm -hmm. case studies, any, any advice for, you know, how this, this, we can apply this approach or how it may be different when sharing your customer stories. Oh, yes. So I think that, you know, I I don't know about you, but when I first started getting testimonials from clients was like, can you just send me two sentences or two to three sentences in a headshot? And it's a little hard to tell those stories because you don't have a lot there. I have found that actually one of the tricks with telling really great stories of your customers is asking open-ended questions for a testimonial. So some of the things that I love to ask my customers after we've worked together is like, what ultimately led you to making this purchase or, you know, signing up for this offer or this service? What was happening in your life? What happened shortly after you signed up for this offer? Did you notice any shifts? Did you notice anything that changed in in your story? Or did you suddenly make more money, right? Did anything start to happen? I also love to ask the question of, have you had you tried to do this on your own or work with someone else before and it just wasn't successful? You know, what was clicking for you in this process? And then as a result of this work, what did you experience? How did that change your life? How did that change your business? How did that shift you like ultimately reaching your goals. And then I usually ask for like, can you share in like two sentences, you know, your biggest takeaway from our time together. And what happens with that is then you can craft these stories that have that storytelling timeline, right? They have that like intro, that climax, that resolution when you're creating your copy. And that's really, really helpful. If you're going from just like a two sentence thing and then trying to expand on it, that's where I feel like it, it's a bit of a disconnect. 
I love that. So do you incorporate that into like your email sequence or do you reach out to your clients one-on-one or how are you requesting that they, you know, give you this feedback? Yeah. So for my one-on-one clients, it just happens via email just because we're already talking, you know, all the time anyways. But for my group program clients for a live program, we always survey my audience. I always survey them at the beginning, the middle and the end. And I think that's helpful as well, right? So like if you're teaching something specific, you can ask your clients at the beginning, you know, how comfortable are you with this? Or how would you rate your knowledge of this? And then also at the end. So then you could even tell a whole entire story about how your program supports them from, you know, going from like a one in marketing to a 10 or something like that. So for live programs, we do these like surveys that come out at very specific times of the program through Google Forms. And then my courses that are more evergreen, it's just built into the course platform as kind of like a assessment at the end. And because I love stories and because I love client social proof, I will buy my clients Starbucks if they give me a assessment or a testimonial. So that's how we get them. I love that. Okay, great. Those are some great, great tips. Okay. So Thank you for making it very tangible and breaking it down. I've got a lot of ideas and I know the audience does as well. So when we are communicating these stories, is there, I mean, you, you, you kind of mentioned it about, you know, the, the intro and the, the climax and um, the struggle and all that. So can you kind of break that down? Like the flow of the story. And then can you let us know, like, how do we incorporate that all in like one social media post and one email? Can we like share that over time? How does that work in the communication side of it? Yeah. So I actually, I'm going to answer the communication one first, and then I'll tell you my micro story framework. I think how you share it is totally up to you. It, 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 you know, you want it to feel organic and so much of it is going to depend also on like, you know, if you're launching something, if you're just starting out and really what you're focusing on is just that brand story, that brand awareness, you know? So what I like to tell people is your storytelling can be one sentence, It does not have to be an entire post. It can be one sentence incorporated in the intro of your blog, right? Or one sentence incorporated in your social media post. It can also be an entire email, you know? It can also happen over time. We call that open loops, creating open loops in email marketing, where you like start a story in one email and then maybe finish it in another email. So there's no rule here. It really just depends on, you know, your end goal. Do you, you know, what do you really want them to do at that moment? maybe what you're launching, different things like that. So you get to play with it. I think that's what's fun about it. I know that stresses a lot of people out, but (laughs) I think it's it's fun. So speaking of the framework, I actually have a framework that I call my micro story framework. It's something that I teach. And again, this can be expanded on to be, you know, an entire email. It can be really, really small. The example that I have here is actually from uh, like for a social media post. So I'll share the framework with you and I'll give you an example. So the first start of the framework is grab attention. This is typically a photo or just that opening line, right? You could think subject line, first line in your copy Uh, photo, as I mentioned before. The second one is just to set up the story. So, you know, give them an opportunity, a little backstory. Painting a picture is so important when it comes to storytelling. And so you just give them a little bit, a little bit of a background. Then you ultimately want to introduce the conflict or the opportunity, what happened, you know, what's kind of like the point of the story. And every story has conflict, right? Every story has got something there or an opportunity. The fourth part is share what happened, right? Share the decision or the turning point. And then number five is give them some sort of resolve. People need 
resolve, right? We know like if our show ends in a climax, we are like, can't sleep for like a week. So people need resolve. And then the last thing, and this comes back to the value piece is always make it about them. So if, if your story's about you and your experience, this is where you get to turn it around. So I'll, I'll actually, this example that I have is from one that I share about my son and that whole like first part of my journey. So it, it, is a photo of my son and I. So that's the attention grabber. And then in the post, I basically say, when my son was born, I found myself in an in-between, right? I'm basically setting up the story. I found myself between the woman I once was and this new woman I was being called to become. Have you ever felt torn between two identities before? You're not sure if you should hold on or step fully into the next chapter, right? I'm sharing that conflict where I was. And then I just go into sharing the turning point. I said, I had a choice in front of me. I could hold on to what was comfortable, what I knew, or I could step fully into this next chapter. What I knew for certain was that I couldn't stay where I was or how I was currently thinking. And then, you know, people want to know how did this end? So we give the resolution. I made a choice while sitting on the couch with my newborn son to start my own business, giving me the time, financial and location freedom I desired. I knew this new chapter meant I could have it all if I was willing to go for it. So I did. And then I make it 100% about my audience. I want you to know that if you're feeling called to be more and do more, it is possible for you. You don't have to stay where you are because it's comfortable. You're worthy of taking the same risks I did could completely change your life. If you were to leap today, what would you do? Who would you be? Let's go do that. And then I could have like a CTA about like scheduling a call with me if they want to start their business or so on and so forth. So good. Oh my gosh. That is so great. Thank you so much. I love, I love a good framework. And Me too. <laughs> so easy. So thank you so much. And I love the example and how you tie it back into your audience. Cause that's something that I always worry about too, is that I don't, when I'm sharing, like, I don't want it to be just me, 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 or mm-hmm. you know, come across like, you know, that I'm bragging or look at me or whatever. I really, I want to come across humble and relatable. And so that's kind of where I, I have a little struggle when it comes to storytelling as well. So I like how you tied that in and turned it around. Yeah. And you're not alone with that. You know, we're so used to reading stories that are about somebody else and we're so used to reading or even like personal development books, you know, or it's like very much about like their journey or, you know, their memoir or whatever that that's kind of ingrained in us. But like when we're running a business, it's got to be about our ideal customer. Otherwise, it's just not going to move the business forward. And, and, you know, the example that I gave you was very specific about like a story in my life, but like you could use this even to like set up an offer, you know, you could, you could just talk about the moment when you realize that something was missing in the market and how you had a decision in front of you. And then you ultimately created it. Like that could be one sentence. And then you could just talk about the offer and how it's going to benefit your audience. So there's a lot of possibilities with this framework. Oh, yes. Yes. I can definitely see that because it could be, you know, just like a conversation starter on social media, or Mm -hmm. it could be, you know, lead into a call to action about your next webinar or workshop or something like that as well. Yeah. You mentioned for 2021 that, you know, authenticity is going to be super important. And so I'd like for you to talk about that, but then also what else do you see kind of coming on the forefront for 2021, what we should be considering as far as up-leveling our brand, incorporating into our marketing on top of storytelling, of course, anything else that you see on the horizon? So funny. I actually wrote a blog about this the other day. So I love this question. 
but I think, you know, piggybacking off of what you mentioned before, I think the the biggest thing is definitely this whole concept of brand values. You know, it's always been something even in for me, I've had in my programs, right? It's something that I ask my clients to identify and just become clear on. But I don't even think I really recognized how big of a role it was going to play until uh, this until 2020. And so I think that that's just really going to continue. I think especially as personal brands, uh, we sometimes can feel a little uneasy about talking, you know, about politics or talking about social issues or or anything like that. But I, I, 2020 taught us a lot. And I think one of the things that really came from the branding side of it is that our consumers actually want to know this information. You know, I mentioned that, you know, 77% buy from brands that share the same value. Well, 64% say that they will actually boycott a brand or choose to invest in it solely because of the position on a social or political issue. So it is important. And I think that we're just going to see more and more of that coming up in this year. And rather than being stressed out about it, I think it's an opportunity for us to just build deeper brand affinity with our audience, which, you know, we talk about the different stages of branding. You've got that brand awareness, you know, brand affinity is that deep, deep connection of shared values. And that's what really leads to the the client retention and the referrals and all of those beautiful things that happen when you feel that connection. So for me, 2021 is just really elevating more of those brand values and focusing on making human connection the top priority, which of course can be done through, you know, storytelling, through that emotional connection. I actually read a stat. I have this in front of me, by the way. So don't think I just like remember stats all the time. That's so not my style, but I have a document. But uh, I had a stat the other day that said emotionally connected consumers have a 306% higher lifetime value just because of an emotional connection. So this stuff has always been there, but I think we're really going to see it elevated even more in the year. And I'm excited about it. I don't know about you, but this whole idea of human to human marketing is one of my favorite things. And I think we're just going to continue to see it expand even more. So that's the biggest thing that I'm seeing. I think storytelling will continue to rise. And then, you know, from a marketing standpoint, we're seeing some some fun stuff with social media. And so, you know, I I think that video will continue to explode. We saw a huge huge rise with like TikTok in 2020, reels, all that other fun stuff. So I think video is just another way to again build that connection with your audience. They get to see you, they get to hear you, and that's really helpful. It moves people along in the buying process a lot faster than just a blog post. Although I love blogging, video is really really powerful. And then, you know, speaking of social media, I I think that there's definitely going to be an increase of marketing off of social. One of the things that I teach in my business is actually marketing without social media. So utilizing, you know, Pinterest and SEO and Google and YouTube and more of these search engines rather than putting all of your energy and attention on social media. Because when I first started, that was like the only way I learned how to market. You know, I had no money and everyone's like, just get on social media. But it's really hard to attract new people there. And when people need things or they're experiencing a problem, they turn to Google. And so we might as well meet them where they are. So I'm, I really predict that we're going to see even more of a shift in this, as well as consumers paying more attention to how much time they're spending on social media and, and different pieces like that. Yeah, that's great. And I see, I see like my most successful clients and students are the ones that have, you know, a strong ad strategy because that's what I help people with, Mm -hmm. but also 
they've got that organic piece with their Pinterest and SEO, you know, strategy as well. So they've got like both driving traffic so that if something happens, you know, there's a Google update, well, they've got Pinterest, they've got their ads going, or if, you know, something happens with the ads, then, Mm -hmm. you know, they've got the other channels as well. I think having, having both, you know, sides of that running in a strong way is, is really going to help businesses be more sustainable over the long term. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Yeah, absolutely. I I love using ads too, you know, and in conjunction with those organic measures. And I've just found too, from a, as I mentioned before, a simple minimalistic side, creating a blog post and optimizing that or creating a video and optimizing that over the course of the week is way easier for me than creating new content for seven days for Instagram. I love that. Okay. (laughs) I I'm all about that too, about, so do you repurpose or how do you, how do you quote optimize? Oh yeah. I'm a, I am a repurposing queen. I love it. I have thought about changing my title. I kind of fell into it when I was starting my business because I had a baby. So I was like, okay, how can we make the most of this very limited time that I have? And then as I've grown my business, one of my goals has been to create more money and impact while also simplifying my business at the same time. And so I've constantly been fine-tuning my marketing strategy and my repurposing strategy to where last year it was like, oh my gosh, it was just so awesome. So I, I start with a piece of core content for me, that's video. And then I use that core piece of content to create a blog, three to four social media images from things that I said in that core piece of content. I already mentioned we're on Pinterest. So we create Pinterest graphics to then share and drive traffic to the blog and then email marketing as well. So then I email my community about that piece of content. So this one piece of content really just stretches us for an entire week. It's so much fun. So I am a big fan of repurposing. It's one one of the things I teach inside of my marketing membership site, Brand Mary Academy. And I think it just is just, it's so, it's, I don't, I get really excited about it. Like it really excites me uh, when I can help somebody streamline their systems when they feel all over the place. And I think that it's uh, one of the best things that you can do for your marketing strategy. I absolutely love that. I'm all about streamlining and systems. And that's one of the reasons why I love ads so much is because I can be intentional in getting my campaign up. I can brainstorm it, you know, and and then set it up, get it rocking and rolling and then check in on it. Of course, I don't, you know, set it and forget it, but I know that my ads are running for me and bringing in new leads, bringing in more traffic. And I don't have to be, you know, showing up on all the social media channels all day, every day to feel Mm -hmm. like I'm moving my business forward. So I really like being more efficient and repurposing. So I wanted to ask you also, because you and your family travel (laughs) full-time, are you still traveling full-time? We are not right now. We're still nomads though. So we don't really have a home. We're renting an apartment, but we spent the last year and a half traveling in a 36 foot travel trailer, sold our house and everything, uh, retired my husband and set out on that adventure. And it was amazing. But with... COVID, let's just call it what it is. And a lot of the different things happening as well as uh, my husband had a health scare last year. We decided that we still want to keep doing the travel, but have a little bit less of the trailer life. And so we're actually in an apartment now, but we are still traveling overseas into Europe and a bunch of places for the next couple of years. I love that. Okay. So with that, I wanted to ask you, you know, how have you, how do you manage your business and your family while traveling full-time and, you know, you're taking break now, but it's, it sounds like it's definitely built into your lifestyle. And so, and all, you know, all along the way you've been growing your business. And so 
what kind of systems processes do you have at place? Do you have a team around you? I'm just wondering what that looks like so that you can keep all these balls in the air, but efficiently and, and still enjoying all your travels. Yes. Like we, we've been talking about systems. I'm a big fan of systems and workflows. I think they're super, super important. And one of the things that I set out for myself, even when I started this business was that, you know, if I'm going to become an entrepreneur, because that's my desire, I do not want it to take away from my quality of life. And so I think that's always been in my mind from the very beginning. So I've set really clear boundaries. You know, there's all the mindset stuff first that has to happen before the systems, right? Very clear boundaries, having conversations. My son knows what working from home is like, he's had it his whole life. So mom's on a call. He knows mom's on a call podcast interview. Like this is like in his, it's in his language. It's so fun. So definitely the mindset pieces of, you know, setting myself up for success and then making sure I'm communicating that with my family is very important. And I'm not going to say that it's super easy. I mean, when we transitioned from my husband working and my son and I being home to all of us in a trailer, there was definitely a learning curve, but we, we definitely, you know, made it work and adjusted to that lifestyle. So that's the first piece. And then like you said, workflows. So up until last year, I only had one team member and most of the team member stuff that I, you know, had her doing was mostly graphic stuff. I did my own graphics forever. And then as soon as I could afford to not do that anymore, I was like, please take this off my plate. It's taking me too long. So most of like my graphics and like small updates to my website and things like that. But I've, because of this repurposing that we're talking about, I've always written my own content, formatted it up until last year, posted it on the blog, scheduled my emails, did all of that because I had a very clear workflow in place. So I know exactly what needs to happen every single week to get my content out there to attract those leads as well as nurture my existing audience. And then really, I I love to structure my days to where, you know, I have a CEO day. I feel like everyone's talking about this right now as well, but you have that CEO day, which is like, no client stuff. You're not really in your inbox. You're really focusing on a creative project or, you know, preparing for a launch or, you know, looking at your analytics or something like that. And then I always have a a marketing day where I kind of create that content and get that ball rolling. And then I, I like to leave my other days up for like different things that need to happen, clients, stuff like that. I think really the, the flow of it has come back to being like, I'm not going to try and do too much. I'm just going to keep it simple and know that like check in with all of my actions and say, is this going to bring in potential clients? Is this going to nurture my existing audience? And then is this going to lead to a sale? And so everything that I create is really focused on that. Now this year I have been in a place because last year was definitely a very, we doubled our revenue last year. So I am in a place to grow my team. So I'll be doing much more this year. and, And people who followed me for a long time will see that happening, but it's because I have support. So anybody who's like starting out, Get your workflow in place so that you can really optimize your time as a solopreneur and then add on things as you can then outsource and add on your team. But my coaches used to be like, how do you not have a VA? And I'm not suggesting that people like wait, but I definitely wasn't in a place that first year or so to really invest in a VA. I was paying myself, you know, a salary from the get-go. And I was like, well, because I have these systems, I have these automations, right? I don't need to email my clients to schedule a time. They've got a link and they can schedule it on their own. Like we're all adults here. So I think having those clear boundaries in place and then also, you know, making it so that 
if you needed to, you could run your business and it would feel great. And then you get to add team on top of that. Okay. So I want to go back to the Brand Mary Academy and could you share what's all in that and what other offers products do you have? I want people to know how they can work with you if they want to reach out and connect with you. Yeah, absolutely. So Brand Mary Academy is my monthly membership. And I started it at the beginning of 2020 because I had quickly realized that social media was not my jam. And I was tired of spending all my time on there and creating content that was going to disappear in like five hours. It just was not sitting well with me. And I had spent the last year or so really kind of experimenting with some of these other platforms and methods and really fine tuning my marketing strategy. So Brand Mary Academy was born out of that, and it's designed to help entrepreneurs market their business without relying on social media. And we really focus on those evergreen content strategies in place that consistently bring you leads. And we we talk about ads in there. You know, we talk about blogging, video content, because as we mentioned, that's on the rise, using tools like Pinterest, understanding how to optimize your website and bring consistent traffic there, as well as creating high value content, not just like random post on social, (laughs) but like really understanding, like, what is my audience searching for? And then how can I position myself as the authority and the expert to support them? And so we, it's a, it's a 12 month membership minimum. And every month you get a brand new marketing mini course and there's group support and coaching calls and all of that. So I love it. It's my baby. It's about a year old at the time of this recording. So I'm excited to watch that grow and then to support entrepreneurs and kind of letting their foot off of that that like hustle consistency and focus more on like a streamlined, sustainable consistency for themselves in their lives. So yeah, that's Brand Mary Academy. And then I also work with my clients. I have a course called You Branded, which is a self-study program. And then I also offer VIP brand intensives, which are, you know, what we talked about in the very beginning, looking at your brand and going through my branding process, finding the holes, fixing those holes and then really focusing on mark a marketing strategy. Cause I believe that, you know, marketing is a minimum 50% of the, in, uh, the efforts that you're going to put in your business every single day. Marketing is ultimately how you people find you and how you move them along uh, to actually make the sale. And so much of selling happens because of your marketing, you know, building that trust. So I also support one-on-one clients through that as well. Great. I love it. Okay. So wonderful. So much. I have pages and pages and pages of notes, Michelle. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Where should people reach out to find you, to connect with you? Let's, let's send them to where they can, where they can connect with you in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is brandmary.com. It's B-R-A-N-D-M-E-R-R-Y.com. That's a hub for all the things. I've got freebies on there. Like I said, tons of blog content. Go have fun over there, as well as links to how to work with me and different things like that. To connect, I hang out on Instagram. I know that seems funny for me to say that after talking about social media. I quickly learned that if I'm not stressed about posting content on social media, Instagram is actually a fun platform. So that's where I'm really like having conversations and fun and I'm on Insta story. So if you want to connect with me there, you can go to Michelle Knight Co. And that's my handle over there. Love it. Okay. Wonderful. This has been so fun. Thank you for sharing all of your wisdom, all of your knowledge with us, your frameworks and your encouragement for us that are working on this. So thank you so much. It's been fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. I so appreciate it. 
Wasn't that so good? Oh my gosh. I absolutely loved chatting with Michelle and she just brought all the value. So thank you again, Michelle, for joining us and sharing all your wisdom with us on the podcast. And thank you for listening. I would love to know your biggest takeaways. You can share those with us in the comments at monicalouie.com slash 87, or you can share those on Instagram with Michelle and I. She is at Michelle Knight Co. M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-K-N-I-G-H-T-C-O on Instagram. And I am at Flourish with Monica. Definitely check out Michelle on Instagram. We would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. What are your biggest takeaways? Please share those with us. And thank you so much for joining me today. If you love this podcast, if you enjoyed this content and you want to dive more into what it takes to build a seven-figure online business, then please hit that subscribe button. I've got brand new episodes coming your way every single Thursday. And so subscribe so you can be sure to get those episodes as soon as they come out. We've got amazing guests coming your way. We've got some fun solo shows headed your way as well. So don't forget to subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Plus, if you are ready to scale your business with Facebook ads in 2021, then I invite you to check out my free Facebook ad starter kit. You can find that at monicalouis.com slash guide. And the starter kit is a great starting point for if you're just brand new to Facebook ads, you want to kind of understand what you need to know before you dive into the ads manager, or maybe you've been running your ads and they're not working out as well as you would like. Maybe you're missing a step because the starter kit will help you figure out which step you may be missing as it takes you through these six simple steps to creating campaigns that convert. Plus, if you're brand new to ads, there's a nice little glossary in there, plus a checklist. I love being organized when I dive into the ads manager. So feel free. You can check that out at monicalouie.com slash guide. It is absolutely free. And if you're at the place where you're ready to outsource your ads, you're ready to get them off your plate and you want to hire the right team who can help you scale your business to seven figures this year, please reach out to me and my team at monicalouie.com slash WWM. We have information there about our services. So we would love to have a conversation with you. You'll find more information there. Again, I'll have all the links and resources in the show notes at monicalouie.com slash 87. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope that you will take this and take action and improve your storytelling and tell more effective stories in your marketing. I will see you next week here on the Flourish to Seven Figures podcast. Take care, stay healthy, and let's flourish. Flourish.